uh, glad to have you here again today as we continue to work on discovering our shape together, discovering who God has uniquely created and shaped you to be as part of his church and as part of his kingdom. Last week, we spent some time uh, talking about spiritual gifts. How many of you took the spiritual gifts inventory this week? There were, as of last night, there were 68 who had done it online. And uh, I think we printed 25 of the hard copies last week. Those were all gone. Uh, If you want to get more, I think we have more printed at the Connect Desk today. I would encourage you to do that. Again, remember, it's not uh, foolproof. It all depends on how you answer. And the questions may or may not be the perfect questions to figure those things out. But hopefully you do that and then maybe have that confirmed or, uh, or enhanced by the input from people in your 110 group. So hopefully you had a chance to do that this week. We did. I thought maybe you'd be interested to know some of my gifts. I took it as well. And uh, here were my top three. Maybe some of you had some of the same ones. Uh, my, first, my top one was teaching. That was my, my highest rated uh, spiritual gift, according to that survey. Um, also, apostleship and prophecy uh, were, were up there, which that one surprised me. The apostleship piece, missionary, is what we're not talking about. Apostle capital A, if you weren't here last week, we're talking lowercase a. Um, uh, and, and leadership, those were my, those were my top ones. Um, my lowest three, curious, were pastoring, mercy, and hospitality. So Hannah said, man, you're mean. And you don't want anybody to come to the house. Again, those are, those are gifts. Those aren't roles, right? You still have to do those things as a follower of Jesus and for me, especially as a pastor. Um, but those aren't necessarily things I'm uniquely gifted in. So maybe you're gifted in some of those areas where I'm weak and you could come alongside me and help as we do ministry together. So um, the, the spiritual gifts question, again, it, it answers, we're going to talk about this later, but it answers what I should do. That's the question it answers. Today, we're going to talk about where should you do it? Where should you do it? Two guys named Frank and Leroy. Frank and Leroy were ushers, not in our church, but in another church. And uh, I deliberately tried to choose names that weren't part of our church. I don't know a Frank and I don't know a Leroy. So if that's your name, I'm really sorry. I didn't know. Frank gets to church by 9.15 a.m. They're both ushers, right? He's here at 9.15 every Sunday, Worship starts at 10 o'clock. He's here at 9.15. He locates his name tag. He puts it prominently on his chest. He checks the lobby and he locates the bulletins. He makes sure they're laid out. He he gets some at different entrances around the facility, making sure people have bulletins and they're ready to go. He strategically places them at different places, maybe even some at the the coffee bar. And he goes through the worship center then and he makes sure that there's enough pencils, giving envelopes, all that good stuff. If people want to take notes or want to give it's about 9.35 when Frank makes his way to the airlock just inside the church's front doors. And his excitement builds as he begins to see cars driving up. And he sees people getting out and coming into the church. And he is excited. And he's there to meet whatever need he could possibly meet for them as they come in the door. Now, there's also Leroy. Remember I told you two, two guys who are ushers slash greeters. Frank and Leroy. Leroy, he shows up at about 9.55. Church starts at 10. By the time he gets to the lobby, uh, most of the people have already started coming in. And he decides to just stand by the door to the worship center. There he hands a bulletin to people entering. And he repeats his monologue with a blank expression, monotone voice. Good morning. Morning. Glad to see you. Enjoy the service. Yep, here you go. Oh, here you go. Here's two. 
Good morning. And he is thrilled when 10 o'clock hits and the band starts and he can just turn his attention to the service and not have to worry about handing out bulletins anymore. In fact, what he would really like, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't understand why we don't just set up a podium with all the bulletins piled on it for people to grab as they come in. Furthermore, if he really was honest, he, w- he doesn't understand why we don't just have a greeting recorded as people come in that, that say all the things that he says. That would sure make his job a lot easier. Now, we would look at those two guys and we would go, man, Frank is super spiritual. Frank's got it going on. But Leroy, he's a bad guy. Is that true? No, it's not true. I think what's more likely is that Frank's in a spot that meets his heart and meets his passion for ministry. And Leroy's in a place serving where he could care less. And it shows. It's not so much that that one of them is better or worse than the other. It's that one has found their fit and one hasn't. That's what we're going to be talking about this morning is, is where do you serve in light of your gifting and in light of your passion? Uh, With that, let me pray. And then we're going to dive into this together. This idea this morning, the idea of heart or passion for ministry. Father, thank you for Jesus and thank you for your grace to us through him. Um, thanks for the opportunity to sing to you and uh, to be here and learn uh, from you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would, you would fill me. I thank you that you forgive me of my sin. And uh, while, I, while I don't deserve uh, to teach and uh, to be in, in, in ministry as, as your servant, you've, you've graciously given me that opportunity, and I thank you. So I pray you'd, you'd use me and speak to me and through me this morning. I pray too, Holy Spirit, uh, this, this whole series is, is unique in the ways from which we normally teach. And it, it's very pastoral in nature, trying to help people find their, their fit and the way they're shaped. And that they would be encouraged in the ways that you've designed them, especially for doing ministry. So I pray that you would, you would come with, with a great sense of encouragement and comfort and, and joy to us as we discover these things about ourselves. I pray against the enemy that uh, he wouldn't discourage us or accuse us or, or twist your word. But instead, uh, Holy Spirit, as I prayed, I pray that you would uh, do what you would like to here and, and change us and encourage us and uh, spur us on to greater works of ministry for, for your glory, others' good, and our joy. We look forward to that today, and uh, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, yes, 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 we got it, baby. We got it. We got it. Woo! If you want to know what passion we looks like, it. pay attention yes. here. Listen to that. Listen to that. Oh, baby. Oh, again, again. That's a twofer. That's a twofer, baby. Yes. This guy's name is Jim Cantor. He's on the Weather Channel. And he's all, maybe you've seen this this week. He's all fired up about thunder snow. How many of you get fired up about thunder snow? You get fired up like that? You've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. Barak. I guess take a breath. It's overwhelming. The winds have really picked up and through here. And there's another one. That's number, you've got to be kidding me. You can have your $500 million jackpot 
in Powerball or whatever the heck it was, but I'll take this baby. Four, four lightning strikes, four episodes of thunder snow. I could hear thunder, uh, so we had another one. So we actually had five, five strikes, five thunder. I mean, this is just a total change. Literally within an hour, we, uh, was that another one? <laughs> was that, oh my good, dude, that's number six. Anyway, I think it keeps you gotta going. You got kidding but, me. But this guy, is, he has passion, doesn't he? Man, when the thunder snow comes, watch out. You don't want to be in any reach of his arms swinging. Because you might get knocked out. I have no idea if, if uh, he's a believer in Jesus Christ or not. But if, if he was, talk about an act of worship, right? Watching the creator create and, and show his glory in the skies through thunder snow, all that sort of stuff. And he is fired up. What is it for you? What for you ignites passion like that in your heart and in your soul? So I believe this guy, he, he's clearly, he's made for that, isn't he? I mean, he, he is just made, he's like, if you ever watch the Weather Channel at all too, when the storms start coming, he's the guy out in the hurricane, bundled up and glad to be there. When everybody else is running for cover, he's there in the midst of it. He, he's, you know what I believe? I believe God designed that and probably put that passion, that interest in his heart. What did he put in yours? That's where we're going this morning. We're in a series called Discovering Your Shape. And shape is an acronym. To my knowledge, it originates with Saddleback Church and Pastor Rick Warren out in California. And I think it's really helpful for us in, in looking at how God has created us and shaped us to serve him and to serve others. For his glory, others good, our joy. The whole big idea of this series is that God has uniquely shaped you for his glory, others good, your joy, and it finds its expression, your shape does, in the way that you live life and do ministry as part of Jesus' family, the church. As I prayed earlier, this, this whole series is, is very pastoral in nature. Its aim is to, to help you discover how God has made you, how he shaped you, and then launch you into ministry for your joy and for others' good and for God's glory. And so it's unique. We're not plowing through a whole text of the Bible. We're looking at, at, at some things about the way God has designed us and made us. And today we're on the second letter of that acronym. Shape is an acronym. Spiritual gifts, heart, abilities, personality, experiences. We're on the H today. And we're talking about heart. Last week we talked about spiritual gifts and most people know that they need to use their spiritual gifts. I think most people even desire to use their spiritual gifts, but most people are totally confused about where to use their spiritual gifts and how to use them. We're going to try to answer that question this morning. And really it comes down to this, this fact when we're talking about heart and passion. The reality is that, that none of us can care about everything equally. You ever notice that? that? That some people care more about certain things than you do. That you care more about certain things than they do. For instance, just within our church, have you ever run across someone, or maybe not in our church, maybe in another church, someone who's really passionate about student ministry, and their heart just beats for students, and if you spent any time with you, they would tell you that students are in the prime age group, middle, middle school and high school, for reaching them with the gospel. Uh, they're forming their opinions about life, and they're making decisions at this age that will shape the rest of their lives and maybe their families for generations. In fact, decisions that could shape our nation, for that matter. 
at a young age. Furthermore, they go on to, to quote some statistics to you and tell you that uh, depending on which study you look at, 80 to 90% of people who ever trust Jesus Christ do so before they ever turn 18 years old. And they would tell you that, so we got to do everything we can for our students, everything we can for our youth. I mean, it ought to be the biggest budget line in, in our budget, all these sorts of things, right? And, and we hear that and we go, yeah, that, that guy, that, that lady, they're passionate about reaching students. But if you spend any time in the church, you're going to come across some other people too. You're going to come across someone whose heart beats heavily for international missions. They love missions. They love spreading the gospel around the world. After all, they'll tell you, Jesus, some of his last words on this earth when he was in the flesh, what were they? One of them was, go therefore make disciples of, of what? All nations. Not just your backyard, all nations, they tell you. And, and then they would tell you, they, they, and, and his, his final words before he ascended, he said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to, to the very ends of the earth. Boy, they got Jesus on their side. Maybe that's more important than reaching students. Maybe it's missions. Clearly, that's what our big priority ought to be. And they might tell you, you know, we live in the wealthiest culture in the history of the world. We ought to fund missions more than anyone, anything else. By the way, if you're new, do you know when we set our budget, if, if maybe that's where your heart beats, we set our budget for missions uh, in, in such a way that we, we set our operating budget for the church. And then I think this year we were at 11%. We take 11% of that and add it on top. And that all goes to missions. Um, and, and we've given more to missions in the last few years than we have ever in the history of our church. The last few consecutive years, it's really exciting. And uh, in terms of ministries, maybe your heart beats for students. In terms of, of ministries within our church, our, our student ministry uh, is supported incredibly in the ways that we care for our, our, our students and our ministries. So you come across those two people, the question you might come, well, who's right? Who, who's, which one's more important? Well, it depends on who you ask. Because if you spend more time, you'll run into someone else with a deep passion for for maybe the right to life issue, which is a really important issue. Maybe there's somebody with a great passion for the poor and the disadvantaged and for the homeless, which is a huge issue. Maybe for evangelism, for reaching the lost with the gospel. Maybe you'll run into people who have a great passion for men's ministry or for women's ministry or kids' ministries or different political issues or... Now, the various passions we start to find among different people in our church, it's not right or wrong. It's not who's right, who's wrong, who's got it all together, who doesn't, who's, who's following Bible more, who's not. It's about obedience because I think these are things that God has placed in our hearts. And the big question for you this morning is, what is it for you? How has God uniquely shaped you with a certain passion, a certain heart? Uh, sometimes this is referred to as a certain calling for ministry. I don't think it's a mistake that he put that there. This is, you know, some would say, well, how can you have unity in the church then when everybody's got so many different passions? That's a bad thing. No, it's a really good thing. Because if we didn't all each have different passions and different hearts for different ministries and different people, guess what would happen? Nothing would get done. Or at least most of it wouldn't. Only a few things would that we were all passionate about together. 
most, many of the needs of the world would go unmet. An author by the name of Bruce Bugby, whose material I borrow quite extensively this morning, he, he says it like this. He says, God's put a divine magnet within each of us that's intended to attract us to people, functions, or causes where he intends us to minister. This isn't an afterthought on God's part. Our passion is built in us so that we'll conform ourselves to his purposes for our lives. Loved ones, knowing your heart, your passion, your interest, your calling, however you want to say it, knowing that about what God has put in your heart and that passion is, is huge for you to be able to serve him with enthusiasm and to serve him with great joy. And, and it answers the, the where question. Here's a, here's a definition of what we're talking about when I talk about passion, okay? Passion or heart I'll use those two words interchangeably a lot this morning, but it's the God-given desire of the heart to make a kingdom difference somewhere. Do you know what your heart beats for? Do you know what your passion is? Do you know? If not, you're likely going about life and ministry simply fulfilling the passions and interests of other people and not the ones that God has placed in you for you to accomplish. Now, before we go on, there's... Maybe you're feeling this, and if you are, I just want to address it, but others would and, and have as you start to research these things. But they would counter this and say, is this just a luxury? I mean, we're spending, what, six, ten weeks studying how God has made us individually? Like, that's, isn't that self-centered? Isn't that prideful? What, what about people, I mean, just turn to the headlines, Right? What about the 19 Christians who were beheaded by ISIS a couple weeks ago? They didn't have this luxury just to sit around and navel gaze and look at themselves and how God made them, did they? Or what about the 200 people, according to some reports, that were captured this week by ISIS just for being a Christian? Well, I don't think it's a luxury. I don't think it's vanity. I don't think it's pride when we're doing it focused on how God has made me for his glory to serve him, serve others. That's our purpose, right? If, I'm, if, if it ends here and I'm just looking, I go, oh, I'm pretty cool. All right. Then yeah, huge waste of time, right? If it doesn't result in action where we're going out and using those gifts and using our shape to do ministry and to care for other people, then yeah, huge waste of time. But I don't think it is a vain pursuit. I think it's how God designed us. And and also, I don't think it's a luxury. If anything, think about it. We live in the freest, wealthiest place in all of human history. And, And we have more freedom than any other believers in all of human history. And we have more knowledge of Scripture than or at least available to us, maybe we don't have it, but it's available to us than anyone else in human history. And I think we're more accountable by that fact than if we don't take the time to discover when we have that luxury, we have that opportunity to discover how God has made us and to serve him in light of that. I think it's it's poor stewardship of what God has given us in his gifts. And also I might say too, maybe that's your passion. If you're going, this is, what about people around? Maybe that's your passion. Maybe your passion is for missions and for the disadvantaged and for people being persecuted. Have you considered that? Well, we're talking about heart and passion this morning. So let's, 
I've given you a short definition, but let's get a few more things on the table about your heart. And when I'm talking about heart, I'm talking about your passion. I'm talking about your calling. I'm talking about your interest. Number one, your heart is uniquely created by God. It's uniquely created by God. God has made you different than anyone else in this room or in this county or in this country or in all of history. There's no one like you with with the same spiritual gifts, with the same personality, with the same abilities, with the same experiences, with the same heart and passions. There, There is something incredibly unique about you that God has handcrafted you that way. Number two, your heart is a heart with which God intended to lead you toward ministry. He's given you those interests and those passions, partly for your joy, but also to to lead you to where he might have you serve other people and serve him. I also believe that, number three, your heart is meant to draw focus to your ministry. It helps give focus to where you ought to give your time and your resources because it's what you're best at. It's what energizes you. It's, and again, not that you don't have to sometimes do the things that you aren't passionate about, right? I'm not saying that. I'm not saying be lazy and ignore the things you don't like. I'm just saying, where are you giving the most of your time to? What, what, rather than focus on building up maybe areas where you're weak or just not interested, why don't you build up your strength so that you can be all God would have you be to his glory? Number four, your heart is is a heart that's overflowing with emotional energy or passion. And and we're going to discover that a little bit this morning. If you don't, I'm not passionate about anything. Ah, I don't buy it. There's something that gets you fired up. There's something that God's placed in your heart. Now, when I use this phrase in talking about your heart, and you, you might hear this and you might think, oh, follow your heart. Yeah, that's what the world says, right, Josh? Okay, I'm not using it in that way. I'm not saying, like, like discover your heart and follow those passions and just do whatever you want because that's what feels good, right? I'm not saying that. I'm saying discover what God's placed in you and the way that he's directing you and calling you toward ministry. And if you're trying to figure out what that is and if, if those desires in your heart really are from God that he's placed in there, ask yourself two questions. And we'll, we'll get to this again later. But number one, does it glorify God? Does that thing glorify God? And number two, does that thing edify other people? Does that passion, does it, does it bring glory to God? And when, when I pursue those things, does it, does it edify other people in and outside of the church? If so, then I believe that's something God's put in you and you ought to pay attention to. Now, there's a big danger in this. When we all start getting interested in in our own passions and wanting to serve in that. It's a really good thing, but it can be a dangerous thing. And here's how. I've talked about this before, but what can happen is that you can assume that your thing should be our thing. Or I could assume that my thing should be our thing or that it should be your thing when it's not. You might have your thing that's, that you're passionate about in your area of ministry where God would call you to serve. But that doesn't mean that that has to become our thing, where all of the church gets involved in your thing, right? And I might be interested in something, and, and in some, uh, for me, some of my passions have to do with, with, with art and design and communication, things like that. And, and I could make that just the driving thing for, for everybody to be passionate about and serve in, right? And if I do that, I'm making my thing your thing, our thing, and it's not. It's, it's, it's something specific that God's maybe called me to serve in. 
Our thing is making disciples who make disciples, right? And that gets accomplished in different ways by you doing your thing, you doing your thing, but all of it focused on bringing people to Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? Now, there's examples of people with passions and interests in the Bible with a heart for different things in Scripture. I've listed just a few of them. Number one was Paul. Paul had a passion for the Gentiles. You ever notice that? He was, he was passionate about reaching people who weren't Jewish and reaching them with the gospel and seeing them come to know Jesus Christ and come to faith and, and communicating truth to them. He, he was so passionate about that. You can read about it all throughout his letters, but in Galatians especially, he talks about God giving him uh, this desire to preach the gospel to Gentiles. Now, before he was a believer, Saul, or when he was Saul, he also had some passions, right? He was passionate about God's glory, and he was passionate against Christians. So your passion can have a dark side, too, if it's taken outside of God's design. Another guy in the Bible who, had, who demonstrated heart and passion, I believe, was Nehemiah in the Old Testament. Nehemiah, he had a heart to, for the city and to rebuild Jerusalem and for God's people to get out of captivity and back to Jerusalem. And if you read the book of Nehemiah, you're going to see a guy with, with passion, with, with a passion for God's people and for their political freedom and, and just a heart to see God's city restored. He was passionate about that. And he was able to lead that in a way maybe that other people weren't. Elijah is another guy with passion. Elijah just had a passion for God's glory. He just wanted to see God receive all the glory at all costs. And, and no one else, like some fake God named Baal, received glory that's only due to God. He was passionate for God's glory. Go read... Uh, 1 Kings or 2 Kings 18 this week, if you want to see some of Elijah's passion and his heart for God's glory. Uh, Ruth, Ruth is another one. Ruth had a heart and a passion for her mother-in-law, who sadly was widowed. Curiously, just like Ruth was widowed. And she took her experience of being widowed and and that experience of losing her husband, and she was able to care for her mother-in-law, who had the same experience. And she was loyal to her and stuck by her side. My guess is this week in your 110 group, you can come up with a plethora of other examples from the Bible of people who had a unique heart, a unique passion, a unique calling for ministry. Maybe take some time and talk about those things and use it to discover how God shaped them and how he shaped you. I want to take the rest of the morning to look at um, some seven things that I found really helpful uh, from a book called uh, uh, What You Do Best in the Body of Christ by a guy named Bruce Bugby. Easy name to remember, Bugby, right? It's just kind of strange. But, but it's a really helpful book. It's a really easy read, about 150 pages. Um, and, and just in terms of if you're just, you, you don't, you don't like to get into the weeds on stuff. You just want it straight and easy to read. I think this would be a great book for me to recommend to you. But he offers in, uh, in chapter 6, 7 what he calls passion indicators. Seven things that can help you discover what you're passionate about and the heart God has put in you. Okay? So we're going to look at these seven things. And as we're doing this, I want you to think about it for yourself. 
I, w- I want you to answer some of these questions for yourself. If you're a follower, here, here's the deal. Last week we talked about spiritual gifts, right? Spiritual gifts are only for followers of Jesus Christ. You have to have trusted Jesus Christ to get a spiritual gift. The rest of the shape, the hape, even if you're here this morning and you've never trusted Jesus Christ yet, I hope you will, but this applies to you today. This is something God's put in your heart. So here's a few things. Number one, imagine that that we're getting together to meet for the first time. We've never met. We're going to sit down for coffee. Um, We're going to get some Krispy Kreme donuts because they're pretty great and fantastic. If you don't want yours, I'll eat it. And and we're just talking, getting to know each other, and we turn to a new subject. I don't know what this subject is, but this subject, though, as we start talking, all of a sudden a light turns on for you. And something happens, and I start to see you sit up in your chair a little bit. You start to lean forward. The way you speak starts to become more rapid and and more intense, and there's more joy on your face as you discuss it and as you dream about it. And here's your first question, your first passion indicator. What is that thing? Number one, what do you get fired up about? If we're having that discussion and all of a sudden some, it turns to some topic and, and the blood starts pumping, and what is that? What are we talking about? What are we talking about? It's the topic that would cause you to jump out of bed in the morning or keep you up late at night. What gets you fired up? Number two. Sometimes when, when you just spend time dreaming or reflecting on life, you think back to different things in life or you think about different opportunities or or causes or people or fill in the blank. And when you do that, just, again, the same sort of reaction. Like, wow, how cool would it be to do that? How great would it be if if I could do this? How, How incredible would it be if God would use me to reach them? Again, what is that thing? Number two. What captures your imagination? Again, these aren't foolproof, right? But I think these are helpful for you. If you're not sure what your passion is, start answering some of these questions. Spend some time this week and journal about it. And what captures your imagination? When you're alone, do you ever just wonder, what if that? Does your response to that that question just makes create emotional energy in you and passion. What is that thing? So first, what fires you up? What captures your imagination? Number three, um, take some time and make a list of some of your achievements, some of the things you've done and accomplished in life, but not just your achievements, okay? You got to narrow it down beyond that. Um, you, you need to think of things that you enjoyed Achieving. What achievements did you uniquely enjoy in your life? You know, you, you might say, well, I graduated high school. Well, did you, en- did you enjoy studying in high school or did you just you'd enjoy being done? Right? W- what, what accomplishment did you uniquely enjoy? 
Maybe it was building a playhouse for your kids in the backyard. And that just gave me great joy because I enjoyed creating something with my hands out of nothing. I enjoyed... Maybe it wasn't that part you enjoyed, but you enjoyed uh, the joy on your kids' faces when they saw what you did for them. What is it that you've enjoyed? What are your most enjoyable achievements? You pulled it off, and not just pulled it off, but you had a great time doing it. Are there similarities in that list of achievements? Are there things that are similar? Like I always... Back to the playhouse. I, I always, all of my achievements that I really enjoyed were things where I was creating something. All of my achievements I really enjoyed were things where I got to work with uh, people who had no hope. All of my achievements that I really enjoyed were using this. Wh- what is it? What is it for you? Look for a pattern. Number four. Here's an easy one. What are you doing now? What are you doing now? Not like the second, but now in life. What are you gladly giving your time to now? Not just serving time, but giving your time. It's like you lose track of time when you do this. When, when you serve in this area, when you care for people in this way, you're moving in the direction of your passion and time just kind of slips away. Our passion can make us less aware of what's going on around us because we become so focused on what we care about most. What might that be for you? I can't answer that. You can answer that. What is that for you? What do you gladly give your time to? Number five. Many people are fulfilling their passion without even knowing it by making some kind of a a meaningful difference in some area of life or ministry, whether it's in the community, in the church, in your family. Another indicator for you to figure out how is God, what passion does he put into my heart is, where are you making a difference now? You're like, I'm not making a difference. I'm telling you, you are. Somewhere, somehow, you're influencing someone, some way, in some way, shape, or form, you are making a difference in life or you have made a difference in someone's life, in, in some cause, in some organization. What is it? Where are you making a difference or where have you made a difference? Examine that. A lot of times that will help reveal your passion, your heart for ministry, your calling. Where is that happening? Or, or where would you like to see it happen? Number six, I, I really believe that your passion will energize you. So what energizes you? What turns your crank? Huh? What energizes you? Again, some of these questions are really similar, but they're just stated in different ways to maybe try to help you discover some of these things. Maybe take these questions and run, run some of the characters of the Bible through these questions. For Paul, what energized Paul? Seeing people meet Jesus Christ, specifically seeing Gentiles who weren't Jewish, who weren't Jewish, who had no back, meet Jesus Christ and become Christians. Seeing churches planted, seeing that just fired him up. What what energized Elijah? Seeing God's glory. What did he do after fire ran down from heaven? He killed four hundred and some of Baal's prophets. 
And then he ran like 18 miles. I'd say he was pretty fired up and energized by what he's passionate about. What is it for you? What is it for you? What what about Ruth? What energized her? Caring for her mother-in-law. How did she? Well, she went and she worked in the fields and gleaned grain day after day. Putting herself in danger even to care for her. Well, number seven, whatever your passion is, it has to be submitted to a twofold test. Okay? There's, there's a twofold test that it has to, has to meet. Here's number seven. What patterns do you see? So, so let me say this first. Look at, look at the list of those so far. What patterns do you see? We talked about that already, but then you have to meet this twofold test. Number one, we talked about this already, but does it glorify God? Does that thing glorify God? And two, does it edify other people? I think that's a really helpful test to figure out. Is that a passion, a calling for ministry that God has put in my heart? And and that'll be confirmed by, again, having other people in your 110 group speak into your life. People who know you, people you trust. When you're abiding and delighting yourself in Jesus Christ, what desires do you have? Because oftentimes they reveal your passion And they'll glorify God and they'll edify other people. Now, I mentioned your heart or your passion kind of answers the where question for ministry for you, right? It answers the where question. Your spiritual gifts answer the what. So for me, spiritual gift of teaching, right? I have a gift, I believe, spiritual gift of teaching. And that comes from just looking at my life and and having feedback from other people. And and I, I believe that God's gifted me with that. Well, that's great, but where should I teach? Should I teach in a school? Should I teach Sunday school? Should I teach kids? Should I teach in a church? Should I teach in a, in a seminary? Should I, where, where should I teach? Should I just teach at home and teach my kids? How, how should I use that gift? The reason it's important to figure out where your passion is because it will help you answer the where should I serve question, not just the what should I do. For example, if you have a passion for children, where should you be serving? In a ministry that, that cares for and reaches the hearts of children. Go talk to Pastor Dan, right? How about if your passion is for discipleship? Where should you be serving? Well, in a ministry committed to discipling people. Maybe that's in a church. Or maybe that's with something like Campus Crusade. What, what would that be for you? Where you would disciple people? Maybe it's in our student ministry. Maybe your passion is for world hunger. Where should you be serving? Somewhere that's committed to to feeding the poor. So you figure out where, but then you take, and really what you ought to take your spiritual gift, what should I do? And then this is where should I do it? So you have the spiritual gift of teaching and you have a passion for children. What should you be doing? Teaching. Where should you be doing it? With kids. Teaching children. Do you see how this works? And and the, the cool thing is, is that you compare any spiritual gift with any passion. You can. And that's part of the unique way God shaped you. You might have the gift of administration and you might have the passion for missions. Well, guess what? You're, you would do well in a job like Hannah's where, where she serves in as an administrator for a missions organization. You might have a passion for art. And... You might have a gift of teaching. Where could you use those two things together? 
I keep coming back to some of my own gifts. It's just easier to think that way. Where would you use those two things together? Well, maybe you would use art to communicate the gospel. You can pair up any passion with any gift. It's where should I serve and what should I do? Now, finally, I'll close with this. There's, this is also from, uh, from Bugby's book, and it's a handful of other places, but he just he syncs it up and sums it up really helpfully. He lists uh, six uh, what he calls passion categories, what I'm kind of calling ministry categories, uh, to figure out where I could serve in light of my passion. These might be helpful to you. They're on your insert, and uh, the first one he talks about is celebration ministries. The heart of these ministries is directed toward God by engaging the church in the word, worship, song, the arts, etc. Maybe your passion is directed towards that type of ministry. And, and notice we're not listing any specific ministries. They're just kind of general categories that might help you find a place to fit and to serve. Outreach ministries, the heart of these ministries is focused on relating to, reaching, connecting unbelievers and the unchurched to a relationship with Jesus and his church. Connecting ministries. The heart of these is in assimilating visitors, attenders, and members into a relationship with Christ and the church through hospitality, fellowship, belonging, encouragement. Equipping ministries. The heart of these is maturing believers in the area of their gifts, ministry, training, and leadership. It serves a variety of life stage and affinity-based groups for growth, accountability, and service. Caring ministries. The heart of these ministries is to is assigning people in the church and community with their physical, emotional, relational, spiritual health through the grace, love, and resources of the kingdom. And finally, supporting ministries. The heart of these is freeing other people, leaders, ministries from practical concerns to keep focused on their ministry goals. They involve structuring the systems and procedure to serve and support people in ministries. Do you have as many typos in yours as I do on my notes? That's not one of my spiritual gifts, typing, evidently. <laughs> but that's the question for you this week. What, what, what do you care about? What do you care about most? Is it something that brings glory to God and that edifies other people? Well, then maybe, maybe even probably, it's an area where you ought to consider serving. And if you're serving or ministering or you're just not doing anything and you're in a spot especially where, boy, it conflicts with my passion. Now, now listen, sometimes that's just life, right? Right? My, my dad would always sing to us the Rolling Stones song. You can't always get what you want. Right? I thought it was a dumb song he made up until I finally heard it on the radio. <laughs> but sometimes life is just like that where you, you don't get to do exactly what you want. But maybe you need to look at making some changes to where four, five, six, seven years down the road, you would be able to find a spot where your fit for ministry would be much greater than it is today. And you'd have much more joy and other people would receive much more good and God would receive even more glory. What are those things for you? Think hard about them this week. Talk about it with your 110 group. And uh, as you do... I would encourage you also, we're going to put up uh, that spiritual gift survey is on our website at wawasebible.com slash shape. Also on there uh, this week, we're going to put up just a form where you realize what some of your passions are. Let us know and you can put those in there and it'll come in the office. And then if we have opportunities that come up, we, we can look at some of your gifts and some of your passions and your shape and say, this opportunity comes up, that would be perfect 
for you and start to help and point you those directions. But with that, let me pray. And um, again, this is, if you're a guest with us this morning, this is a unique series. We're, normally we are plowing through God's word and, and devouring pieces of scripture, but uh, we're, we're in a series where we're just taking some more time to discover how God has uniquely created us so that we can live out his mission on this earth and in our community and in our church. Uh, so we'll get back to where we're plowing through scripture. Don't worry about that. We're not changing course at all, but, uh, this is just a unique season right now uh, where we're looking at some of these things. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Jesus. And, uh, thank you for, uh, the ways that you've uniquely shaped us. Um, father, I pray that as we study these things, as we, uh, consider these things that for many people, um, There'd be a light that would come on where, where they would um, feel something just ignite in their heart by the power of your spirit, where, where they would have a passion for living the way that you created them, living out the ministry and caring for the people that you've put in their path and, and living for the passions that you've placed in their heart. You've made us each unique, like Paul writes about when he speaks of gifts in in First Corinthians, and how each of us are different members of the body, and together we make up Jesus, your body, the church, and that, that each part is unique and each part is needed to help us discover our unique roles and our unique uh, gifts and our unique heart and passion for ministry, and help us to serve in light of that, that Jesus, you would get great glory, others would receive the good of your gospel, and that we would get great joy in it. I pray for those this morning who've never trusted you, Jesus. I pray that um, as they even discover the ways that you've created them, they might look to you as their Savior and be able to honor you and and bless you for the ways that you've wonderfully and fearfully created them. Uh, We look forward to the rest of this series. Give us joy and uh, give us a passion to serve and to put our gifts into use. We love you, and we pray all this through Jesus, our Savior. Amen.